Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource for all things Allentown, Billy Joel reference related. And uh, yeah, we, we got our assignment, Quinnipiac, who we figured it would be um, in Allentown. It's a matchup I think is very, you either love it or you hate it for the Huskies. I know some fans are like, this is this is a great matchup for us, and other ones are like, this is not worth skating. So uh, we'll, 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 we'll uh, definitely get into that. I'm Welly, uh, sitting with Andrew here. And, uh, you know, it, honestly, if we're going to go through Billy Joel discography, where where would you put Allentown in, in the top pantheon of Billy Joel songs? Allentown's all right. Um, it's not it's not the cream of the crop. I do have a, a soft spot for Billy Joel. My mom liked him. My aunt liked him. Really likes him. Um, I'm more partial to the Stranger era, Piano Man and Stranger era of Billy Joel. This Allentown's more in the Uptown Girl '80s pop. Uh, era uh, of of William. So it's not my favorite, but I will say that I uh I jammed to it in the shower today, oh. Allentown. And um uh, uh it is nice every seven years to hear that song. <laughs> my my Billy Joel actually is fairly surface level, I'll say. I mean obviously, you know, like you said with Uptown Girl and Piano Man, um but you know what, did did he do River of Dreams? Yes, that would have been early '90s. Yeah, um, yeah, and I like that song too. And then um, there was a figure skater when I was first dating Teresa. They had the uh, U.S. Nationals were at St. Paul, so I went to the X um, for for that. And there was a skater who skated to uh, New York State of Mind. It was a pretty cool, um, pretty cool. I think it was Harold Miner. Or was Harold Miner? He was a basketball player. I don't know. Ross Miner. That was his name. Um, yeah, I that was probably my best, you know, figure skating watching in person men's routine that I've seen. And fun fact, Nathan wow. Nathan Chen was there, uh, skated. It was he was really young at the time, uh, obviously. But uh, so I saw a future gold medalist, which was uh, pretty cool. There you go. So. Um, obviously, we're going to talk all things Quinnipiac. We're going to talk, you know, we're going to talk about what we think about the matchups and, you know, kind of dally maybe. Dally? <laughs> we're going to dibble. Dally. Dibble. We're going to we're gonna dive into some of the other uh, matchups a little bit as well. Uh, but, you know, let's go back. Frozen Faceoff. Um, you know, I was there, um, as you talked about in the podcast uh, that you put up, and First off, I would like to say when you did put it up, you said you predicted that I was at a bar somewhere and you were correct. And uh, we so I got the. Yeah. So that was my best prediction. That (laughs) and I basically nailed the field. too. You nailed the field. Yeah. So and you knew I was at a bar bar in bar in St. Paul. Which bar was it? Um, Well, we got kicked out of Eagle Street. So then we went over to McGovern's. So that's where we're there at, which closed at like 1130 is when they started kicking everyone out of McGovern's, which is an Irish pub. Yeah. Uh, on St. Patty's weekend. Yeah. Closing before midnight. It was, it was just kind of bizarre. Um, and then clarification, we didn't get 
kicked out of Eagle Street. One member of our party flipped off to the bouncer, and that bouncer didn't let them in anymore. So then we all left. So we could have, I guess, just ditched her, but that would have been not fun. Or not, not a good This is what happens. So. You know, Teresa needs to, to learn not to lip <laughs> off to the bouncer. No, 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 no. Wasn't my wife. Um, <laughs> no, actually, in between, uh, because, you know, there's no third place game anymore. Uh, so during the afternoon, actually, or, you know, midday, early afternoon, my... Uh, my wife and my mom uh, grabbed three kids and we went to the children's museum because, you know, my hotel that uh, my dad and I stayed at was, you know, a few blocks away from the X and the children's museums right down there too. So we actually got uh, the whole family together um, in that time off, which was, which was nice. So, but uh, yeah, frozen face off uh, <laughs> Duluth who, you know, we were talking about, Wisconsin ruling, you know, just uh, just uh, just two weeks ago, uh, that uh, Saint Cloud had this op- opportunity to 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 take it down, and nope, they end up rattling four straight um, in you know somewhat convincing fashion, um, you know, by not allowing a goal. I think during the frozen faceoff, that's um, pretty remarkable. The thing I'm trying to wrap my head around from a St. Cloud State perspective here, is I, I didn't like when you said it was my second favorite team, first off. I will say that. Like, does this kind of vindicate St. Cloud State? Like, like if we were to say that, you know, everything, you know, it, you know we, we did end up losing to the eventual champion. We gave them a much better fight um, than the, at least on Saturday's game. Um than the rest of the teams in the in the in the frozen faceoff, but you know maybe uh, maybe I shouldn't feel as bad about that sweep, um, considering you know they ended up winning in convincing fashion. So, kind you know maybe maybe I'm grasping at straws here. Kind of what what's your thoughts on that? Uh, I yeah I guess I wouldn't go that strong. Um. I mean, uh, spoiler alert, uh, if we predict the NCAA tournament, I got Duluth. I'll, I'll, I'll pick them right now. And as I texted you last, last night, the only question is, do they get four shutouts or do they just get four regular wins? And I think the correct answer is three shutouts and a two-to-one. I think that's the <laughs> best. I think that's the most logical uh, prediction there. They just they 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 know what to do in playoff in playoff time and yeah Saint Cloud had that opportunity to prevent all of it and yeah long shot to do so but it's all the more frustrating because no one's gonna stop them and Saint Cloud had the chance to do do so and they had the chance to do so on home ice I mean I guess the one overtime result in Duluth mixed in with that but. It was a possibility that they could have taken care of them, uh, and they didn't. It let it slip through their fingers. Yep. I was talking so, to I was talking to Dan Jacobson, friend of the show, um, at the game, and he said how much he wanted to be in Loveland. He wanted. He's like, I know we have we can beat Denver. This, I mean, there's no problem for us. I don't know so, why you're. I mean, they could have been in any bracket. I don't really understand the teeth chattering over any bracket. 
uh, they'll plow through. They're just going to cut through the rest of the field like butter. Really? Wow. All right. And I think that they should start something where, I mean, so this year they finished fifth. This will be the first uh, time that they win a national title finishing in the bottom half of the league. I think they should try to kind of hit for the cycle, like go for every, like finish eighth in the conference and then rattle it off, rattle off enough wins to qualify for the tourney and then win it all there and then win it from seventh place and sixth place. And maybe, maybe once you'll actually finish first in the conference and also do <laughs> maybe, it Yeah, so right. They could like. They haven't done that yet. Yeah. So kind of like hit for the cycle of standings. Um, I'm sure it'll happen. So, um, you know, watching all the games, uh, the Frozen Faceoff, anything particular kind of stand out? I uh, won $21 the first game and or the first night, and then I lost $16 this, uh, in the championship game. So, you know, I guess that was a positive for me in the end, but dollar game didn't treat me very well on, on Saturday's game. How did you, how did you feel about the, uh, the games overall, the competition, whatnot? I have to be honest, I didn't, I was keeping my eye on a lot of the action this week, but the NCAC tournament might have been the one I was least paying attention to. There was nothing at stake. That's what was weird about it. It's like, just like, there's a couple of positional, you know, seating that I guess could have been tweaked a little bit, but overall, like no team really needed to go all out to win the championship, you know? So it's kind of, kind of a weird way of thinking, but. Yeah, especially on Saturday, which, looking at the Matrix after the Friday games, Western had locked itself in. I was surprised that they had locked themselves into a one seed after they beat North Dakota. So they were going to be three or four, no matter what happened against Duluth on Saturday. Duluth, I think after Friday, they were locked into a two seed. Now, they ended up going to the fifth overall seed. I think that they they jumped a few teams in order to do that on Saturday, but still they were going to be a two seed as well. So now Denver, you know, Denver's loss put them, it looked like they might be out of a one seed because of that loss. But I believe Minnesota's loss on Saturday Uh bumped them back into the, the one band. So from their perspective, they didn't really lose much. They lost what from going from the third overall to the fourth overall, which I guess sets up a potential Duluth matchup in their regional. Um, so yeah, not not a ton at stake, and but I did watch portions of each of the games of the NCHC tournament, and and some yeah some decent decent action, um, but not the most memorable action nationwide on the weekend certainly. And, oh, uh, clearly you're talking about not, the uh, Atlantic hockey. To, I'm not even talking about yeah. There you go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've, even without the CCHA, there was plenty of other, um, compelling overtimes and potential out of pairwise automatic qualifiers yeah, with stuff uh, on the line that were at, at stake. Yeah. I, I mean that Friday I watched more of the, uh, the Yukon, um, Northeastern game, uh, than I did the NCHC. Uh, and th- th- I thought that was, a Yukon, I thought Yukon was I thought they were really good against Northeastern, and I thought they had the best chance of the underdogs 
the the teams that needed to win on Saturday in order to qualify. So between them, Harvard, and Bemidji, I thought UConn had the best chance of of winning their conference tournament, but that was not to be. But uh, but their beating Northeastern put them on the brink, and they had, I'm sure, uh, their team and their fans had quite the wild ride on Saturday, which again we'll get to. It's always it's never a it's never a good spot to be, you know, finished with your season, finished with, you know, everything leading up before the NCAA tournament, but then waiting for other results to see if you are actually going to make the field. Ohio State, I mean, that was the worst possible outcome for them. Like, so they, they lost to Penn State two weekends ago. I put them at 15. So they had to be practicing this entire time. This, you know, leading up to potential, you know, leading up to the Saturday of the championship games for the conference tournaments, they had to sweat out. They needed all the favorites to win on Saturday, and namely Quinnipiac, UMass, and Mankato to win. They had, and they were all the favorites. So, I mean, from that perspective, they were in decent shape. But they needed all three of those those favorites to win. All three of those games go to overtime, <laughs> uh, and. The third one is the one that, uh, or the one that ends. I guess it wasn't the one that ended last. The Harvard uh, winning, uh, beating Quinnipiac, but that one was the one that knocked Ohio State out. And we thought that was going to be the only, uh, the only automatic qualifier out of the top fifteen at pairwise. But then we heard a word about the CCHA, and they had to redo that sort of thing. I don't know if we want to dive into that quite yet, or if we want to stay out the NCHC. For now, but yeah, let's. Uh, we brought it up. Let's dive into it. Yes, I'm sure people are aware of of what of what happened there. Um, Mankato playing Bemidji for the CCHA title, and Bemidji obviously needing the win to to qualify. Mankato was solid, obviously as a one seed. They could have gotten the number one overall seed, but I believe, yeah. Because Michigan won, it didn't matter what Mankato. If Michigan beat Minnesota, Michigan was going to be number one overall, no matter what Mankato did. But they still had that opportunity to be number one overall. So, I, but in that perspective, Bemidji had more to play for because their tournament qualification was at stake. So, go to overtime, score a goal three minutes in. They have the trophy celebration. They got the championship hats and T-shirts out doing the victory laps around the rink. Uh, everyone goes home. Press was taking pictures of them with the cup, no, with the Mason cup. Yep. And Don Lucia, Commissioner Don Lucia, grinning, slapping backs, congratulations all around, shaking hands. The uh, fans leave the building. The refs leave the building. There was a, we should mention, there was a uh, review of the game-winning goal, as there are of all goals in tournament action. And this one was even more so where it wasn't just, you know, the, they, they get the thumbs up from the booth. The refs were actually in looking at the screen and was a decent review, I guess. Set, signal that was a good goal. Then obviously the, all the ceremony takes place. And then what, 45 minutes later, hold, hold the press. Oh, yeah, wait a minute. Dewey, Dewey defeats Truman here. <laughs> Let's, uh... yeah, it was, it was. Following Twitter when all of that was going on, I was probably on my phone waiting for 
just what the heck was going on in Mankato, um, more so than, you know, the Western Michigan, Minnesota Duluth game. And mostly because also that Minnesota Duluth, I mean, that's, that's test textbook playbook for them anyway. Like, so the, the, like you knew, you know, as the game was going on, what was going to be the end result. I thought maybe Western Michigan would sneak in one, but Fanti made that highlight reel save. I think that was like yeah. num- number three on Sports Center that night or whatnot. So, but just refreshing and just just thinking, you know, like how how this could even happen. You know, where they do the initial review and then there's all of you know everyone is now wondering like, well, what are the statute of limitations? Like, I I the rule book technically says. Um, I, I believe it's when the officials leave the ice <laughs> and, and then you, you can't go back. And I'm a little bit muddy on the timeline of it because listening to Don Lucia's press conference, it wasn't exactly talked about. Um, but basically they, they found another camera angle that wasn't used in the initial review process, which how that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Um, and it's not like it was that. It's a fairly normal camera angle, at least from the one, you know, so it's weird that it wasn't included in the first time. But uh, basically what happened is uh, the goalie um, came across and the skate hit the post. The net comes up and the the, uh, the puck actually slid outside of the post but underneath the net. So it was able to look like it went in. Um, I do think that isn't a goal or that it wasn't a goal. Um judging by it but the fact that it was you know 40 minutes after and the celebration took place the rest were leaving it's i don't know i'm on kind of both sides of it and lucia in the press conference just pretty much said i know this isn't a an easy decision um but it was one that he said he felt that he could sleep with and that he in the end did the right thing and I just I didn't know that the commissioner had that power. And I think that is the sticking point that a lot of people have is what power does the commissioner have in day to day operations when you have the actual officials there? Because it's because well, it's yeah, help me out here. So that was a, a question I had that I mean I, I read the the rink live had I think the each the Mankato and the Bemidji guy uh, reporters there they were each wrote an article but they didn't clear up a lot a lot of the stuff as far as the process goes so how involved was Lucia first of all do you know who did Bemidji come up to them after the game and say hey we got this second uh, camera view camera angle how did that who initiated the we should review this again and then after that how did are you saying that Lucia sort of took the ultimate control out of the officials' hands, the the, the referees' hands, and he ended up saying we gotta restart this game? If you can fill me in on any of those, that'd be helpful. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing where I'm still a little bit muddled on myself because I hear reports from different things, and I don't know if it's people who just are just jumping to conclusions about what happened. You know, when I first was looking at anything is that Lucia came down and said, Nope, we got to look at this camera angle and then handed it off to the off ice officials that were still there, even though the actual referees were 
um, gone by that point. So, um, and then there's a couple pictures of, you know, them all standing around the TV, just pointing and talking and what see that. So it's, so I don't know exactly what Lucia's involvement was, but you know, in his press conference, he made it sound like it was definitely his call or it was his choice to bring this other camera angle forward, at least um, to give it to the, to make sure that everybody has the, you know, all of the evidence surrounding everything, which well, I mean, he needs <laughs> to be, he needs to be involved in the, in the decision. I get that. I mean, he is the commissioner. This is their, you would, I mean, you'd think this is their marquee event of the year, their last game of the year as a conference. Uh, and so I can understand him being the one to approve of, of everything that happened as far, but as far as I would have thought that that would have been from con- consulting the officials both on ice and then any sort of video uh, off ice officials, because it is in conference tournament. I know the NCHC does this as well. And I think all the other conferences do too, where you do see the, a lot of times man, for most goals, like goals that really aren't, questionable you'll see like the someone gives them a thumbs up and then but there's a little bit of a delay until the referees on ice will say okay let's drop the puck at center ice again there's only sometimes that the officials will actually huddle in actually watch the video like a traditional review that that we see throughout the year that's not every goal is like that but uh so yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I know that Lucia is going to be heavily involved in something like this, but, but just it's it's it. And I don't even. I mean, I, I'd like to see that other camera angle, of the goal. I haven't seen it. I don't know if that's going to be made public or if it has. I'd be interested in seeing it. The from the overhead view, um, it was very close. I, I don't doubt that they think that it wasn't a goal. I think it's just very very close. And tough to overturn on on what I saw. Um, and it's just, you'd think that the process that they would have put in place, somewhere down the line, that failed miserably. And uh, you just have to avoid something like this where it's just egg on your face. Um, you can't have a double. I mean, just, I mean, at least Mankato won when they yeah. when they resumed <laughs> lucia can you, ima- can you imagine well, if bemidji would have won that game yeah lucia also like made that a point too is like really it didn't affect the outcome because <laughs> they won anyway but imagine if you were northeastern you know and everything was happening right. i mean you you think that you're in um by by process of only one of those upsets happened and northeastern was the next one on the bubble so all of a sudden you're you're celebrating and then now you you know your tournament life depends on you know a game that you have no control over that you thought was already over so yeah it was it was it was it was crazy how so, something that I've never seen before and can't imagine I'll ever see again I hope I never see it again I mean it was it was embarrassing uh you just even if you think that that was not a clean goal to win it, you have to have a better process in place, or at least, like you said, a statute of limitations as far as 
you're not going to get most of the people out of the building and and then bring everybody back including the officials and and both teams and it just you can't you have to end the game and there's going to be bad calls in games there's going to be bad calls at huge times in games sometimes you have to live with that it's the same thing last year in the uh, Duluth North Dakota marathon game where it's like yeah i mean it's the the offsides he's he's off by a a a whisker and it's just like just it's, I don't, let's end it. Yeah. I don't think that we need to, need to, it's, it, you, we have to think as far as if we're going to use technology and stuff like that to make the correct decisions and overturn wrong decisions, you have to also keep in mind that this, this is a game, it's entertainment, and something like this, it just makes it much more or less satisfying um, from a consumer standpoint of, we're going to play a game, goes to overtime, packed house, I mean, one thing there with is uh, with Mariucci as well. I mean, we can uh, we can fault little parts of the format of these conference tournaments, which end on which are all campus sites. But one thing I'll give them is that that was a great atmosphere in both of those buildings, yep. better than I think the uh, XL was. Yep. Um, just based on the uh, empty seats that I saw there, and so. <laughs> In a way, Mankato's getting a little bit of practice for the regional because <laughs> they were able to play. They were able to play under the packed house and and do all that. But then they also had to come back and win the game in a more regional like setting of a quarter full building, uh, and, and had to had to win there. You don't think it's going to be packed in, for in a, a noon game, game in Albany uh, against Harvard? Yes. I don't know. Harvard. We, we shall see. Our fair. We shall city. see. Yeah. So I I I thought that that was I. I did not have that on the bingo board. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Right? Uh, and I, I hope that we, that not only the CCHA, but I mean, this is something that could have happened uh, any other or the conferences too. I mean, if they don't have a process that's, that's clearly in place and that's enforceable and it doesn't have giant loopholes or, or what, however the system uh, backfired on on the CCHA as it did. Your the main takeaway we have is not the not the game itself, but the things surrounding the game, and that's not good. Not just for the CCHA, but for for college hockey as a, as a whole. So I do hope that they talk about this in the off season and and make sure that they strengthen their their system, uh, so to speak, and and. Make sure that something like this doesn't happen. If that means, and we always complain about 15-minute reviews and and over-reviews and all this kind of stuff, well, you'd rather have taken a 20-minute review and kept everybody in the building yeah. and not have done that. Uh, I, I just, I don't know why, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know how that exactly happened mm-hmm. like that. And it seems to me to, to have been completely avoidable, but... I'm not the commish, the Don. You're not the Don. So, so. Um, you know, speaking of when you were talking about campus sites, um, not an option for uh, NCHC uh, for the next three years as they extended oh, their right. agreement with the XL Energy Center. So um, we'll still. Yeah, well, I mean, it's one it's one thing of, of watching it on, on TV and, like I said, kind of watching it with one eye open, not, not really focusing all of my attention on it, but in the building. How did you feel like the atmosphere was and, and the crowds were 
in this maybe compared to, to years past. I actually felt like the atmosphere was pretty good for all the games. And maybe because you still had, I mean, you had Duluth, obviously you have North Dakota. Um, right. So, um, you know, that Western Michigan, North Dakota game, I felt there was very strong atmosphere really all throughout, as you get with uh, North Dakota. But Looks like Western brought brought a decent contingent there. Western brought, you know, a lot of the the lunatics. And yeah. they had, the down in the corner, they had about four rows full of their fans. And I think um, I saw kind of at the corner of my eye that some North Dakota fan got kicked out because we were on the same side. Oh. I was on the other other blue line, but uh, some North Dakota fan got kicked out for, I believe, punching or shoving um, somebody there. Just one? Just one. That's actually, that's not bad for them. Just one, but it was only one game. So, and that's only from what I saw. So who knows, uh, around the rink, there probably was a lot more. So, uh, but, you know, and there was also, you know, just an inconspicuous, um, you know, power play that was going on. And then all of a sudden you just, there's the bulldog contingent, um, just all of a sudden just ended up going nuts. And I was like, Oh, it looks like the women won in overtime. So sure enough, I looked and it was like, Oh yep, yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, if, if, if I already guessed, I bet, uh, Dan Jacobson had his phone out and probably was, uh, streaming the, probably streaming the game on ESPN plus or something like that. So, well. But Their dream died today, unfortunately. It did. The Duluth women. It did. I watched um, as much as that game as I could um, when the Twins were up. It was kind of hectic at, at, at the Weldon household, as it normally is. But, um, yeah, I watched that game. And it's – when I was at school and I covered um, – for the Chronicle, I covered women's hockey. And, God, Ohio State was terrible. Ohio State right. was really bad. Um, and we're talking like three, four win seasons bad. Like, and, and that it was kind of the case up until a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, they were so, I mean, pretty much always bad. And that's just where I'm always kind of stuck with women's hockey here in St. Cloud. And it's like, I get that we have to compete and recruit up against, um, you know, Minnesota and Wisconsin and, and Duluth. But I, I just hope something happens with the program where we can see some, some success. And, it feels like another coach will ha- will have an opportunity. Yeah, they, and, they announced uh, Mc- McDonald was fired. Yep, yeah, it just seems like a just kind of a rot, just a rotating of lackluster seasons, another lackluster coach, and rinse repeat. Who would have been the coach? So. Who would have been the coach when you when you were covering him? Was that uh, Jeff Geeson? Geeson. Yep. Yeah. So did you did you get to interview oh, him yeah. and get to know him a little bit? Yep. Yeah. Not nothing like. Uh, like I don't think he would know my name. <laughs> like, like it wasn't it wasn't like that. I would just go in and get the quotes and um you know talk to some of the players and some of my favorite players too. Um you know that, that were really nice too and some were a little bit more you know a little bit I wouldn't say standoffish but it was d- definitely you know different personalities which you're gonna obviously have on a hockey team and whatnot. I had a, I had a better rapport with some players than others. I'll just say that like. Megan Fizon and Laura Fast, I could talk to them about anything. Um, but I, I, everyone I talk, I mean, I always got every, you know, they always asked, always answered the question. And I had a 
it was a really good experience. It was really cool. Um, for the men's side, it was a little bit different. I only covered like three or four games on the men's side. Um, and that was kind of a different, uh, atmosphere, like kind of a different beast, you know, with, with, with the women's game, it was a little more, you know, kind of freewheeling, I guess you can say, yeah, you know, just, you know, who do you need? You know, it's a lot, obviously more structured when it comes to the men of, you know, who do you want beforehand and whatnot? And, you know, talking, talking to Bob, asking Bob a question and, and whatnot. And that was, you know, you know, you always just. The thing is about there's there's such a big difference between print journalism questions and TV questions, because if you're in print journalism, your subject knows that they're not on camera. So if you try to ask a stupid fluff TV interview question like, well, it looks like uh, you were trying to generate, uh, you know, something on the on the, on the power play. You know what? Uh, what what was what was kind of going on there? They'd be like, what, "What are you talking about? Like, like what aspect? Like, like, like I don't, I don't know how to answer your question." Where in TV, they can just kind of like, "Oh yeah, right. blah 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 blah." I, always annoys me, and that's also why, like, I hate intermission interviews too, because they always do that right. fluff crap. Whereas print journalists, that you'd get where you you were coming with the hard. I, I had to come up with the hard question because otherwise they just look at me blankly, like that was a stupid question. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, shockingly also, you know, you know, with the extending the XL, um, you know, for, for, you know, in the WCHA, North Dakota, I mean, it was, XL was like Ralph Finkelstead South. I mean, oh, right. it was, they had just great success at, at, but that has not translated at all in, um, NCHC play. So it's um, kind of interesting that um, that everything is kind of turned like it has there for North Dakota, and I am not upset about it. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah. I, as we mentioned, was it last week or the week before? I think our our ideal is to continue to have the the neutral site conference tournament. I do think that, that is the best of the best possible scenario. And so I'm not saying that we. I'm not necessarily endorsing the campus site format that the CCHA and uh, Big Ten uh, use now. But uh, but just seeing that it's at least nice that they can pack a building. They, I Again, not watching a ton of the Michigan-Minnesota game, but I thought I heard the announcer who was uh, pretty sure it was Ben Holden, yep. who used to do the uh, CBS games. I was surprised. I didn't know that he was doing Big Ten stuff mm-hmm. now, but... I thought he said that they said it was the largest crowd that Mariucci had ever had, which shocked me. But hey, good for Bob. He's getting butts back in the seats in Mariucci. I mean, that was, was it a couple of years ago? I know they played a, a series against Michigan in the playoffs. I think this might have been before Motsko. Maybe it was Lucia's last year. But it was within the last four or five years that it was like 2,000 fans in, in the stands yeah. for a playoff series. And fast forward a couple of years and. 10,000 plus in Mariucci uh, and too bad. The game was kind of a dud, uh, but uh, four to three, which was really four to one, a couple of late goals there for the Gophers made it seem the, the score was closer than it actually yeah. was. And I heard too, that there was some brouhaha there with some bad 
There was some official, uh, some refereeing calls that the Gopher fans were not pleased with, and were throwing stuff on the ice, uh, uh, which didn't seem. I thought they were above that because yeah. they they thought that St. Cloud fans were so bad for doing that uh, with the Perbix uh, non-call. But we can uh, move on from from that to other. I affairs. do. I do think I do like you know the conference tournament, and obviously I'm biased with or at a neutral site and obviously I'm biased with that because, you know, I've gone um, to nearly every one of them um, since uh, 2000. So, but it's, I, I think if you just keep the growth of it and as long as it keeps expanding, you know, and, and then you can start opening up the upper bowl and, you know, it's going to take a while to get there and hopefully you can make it like that, you know, and maybe, you know, if other local teams are added into the mix, maybe, maybe you will get that. You know, there's always talks about some kind of shuffling when it comes to um, realignment, and always Mankato and Bemidji are brought up of you know switching over and and whatnot. And who you know it- who knows about Augustana? Maybe we just add them as a member too, and it's. Lindenwood, they're they're going D one now. Lindenwood, exactly, and they've got a heck of a facility down there too. So, it's you know, and you know, and that's what obviously made you know the the final five so good is because you had so many teams within driving distance that it was easy a lot easier to make a weekend out of it versus. I was gonna say it would be kind of wild if um, here's a here's a wild idea to try to increase attendance at a conference tournament is get like North Dakota, Minnesota, St. Cloud, Duluth, Bemidji. Um, you get all those teams in one conference. Ooh. And then that's a good you idea. You think that you'd be bringing in a lot of big fan bases um, in a tight uh, geographical I believe, area. I can't believe no one's thought of that. I know that's, that's I know weird. that's crazy, but it's possible. Maybe they could throw that, throw that out there. Uh, see if, if that, give that a try. Give that a try. Well, we'll, we'll talk to, I don't know, who's the Big Ten, I don't know, Barry Alvarez? We'll talk to the Don. We'll talk, we'll talk to, to the Don. He he knows how to handle uh, tough situations. Tough situations so, maybe, and whatnot. Um, you said you were flipping around uh, through the other championships. Anything else kind of catch your eye about every other tournament? Like, um, um, you know, you said that, you know, you watch a little bit of the what UMass UConn? Did you watch a little bit of that one, or? Yep. How did uh... yep, that was? Uh, again, these were all. I think they were all one to one. Gator and all the the Quinnipiac uh, Harvard game was two to two overtime. The other two were were one to one in overtime. So low scoring affairs, um, but still not you know still with plenty of drama. Uh, obviously, with a ton on the line, that that adds to the drama. Um, so. Yeah, the uh, ECAC tournament, I watched most of that. That was on ESPN+, Plus. so it was nice to kind of easy to, to stream on my iPad. I had two screens going last night, uh, so it was, I was kind of going hog wild. Um, but uh, So I was able to watch, and I kind of was focusing on the Quinnipiac game because I'm figuring that was going to be the St. Cloud's opponent, and it turned out that they are. So nice to get a bit of a sneak preview uh, of them. Um, and yeah, like I said, I thought the uh, Hockey East uh, had some decent, uh, some decent games in there as well. There wasn't like a one classic, you know, 
even in the, like the uh, semifinal rounds. There wasn't a great game among the bunch. The big, the one thing that people will remember from this weekend would, yeah. would be that CCHA, uh, and not anything to do with the play on the ice, really. So that's kind of frustrating in that regard. But when you have overtime hockey uh, in in the playoffs, it's uh, it's bound mm-hmm. to be compelling so yeah it was I mean, especially nice with be able to watch it all yeah i mean it's one thing also if it's overtime hockey against you know duluth and western michigan where ultimately not much is on the line in the big picture right but when those three overtimes and all of them have something on the line um yeah. and not only for that team but for a team that's just sitting at home just waiting to to, to see if um yeah. that uh the results come in uh so well, let's turn into quinnipiac then uh, you said saw a little bit. Uh, Try to get a little bit of a scouting report on them. Um, where do you fall? Is this a good matchup or is this a bad matchup for the Huskies? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't love the matchup from Saint Cloud's perspective, um, but they they are definitely beatable. Um, Harvard's a team that is I would say similarly built to St. to St. Cloud as far as they got some guys that are offensive minded. I like that uh that Farrell that played for the Olympic team. Harvard's got a couple of decent forwards on their team. Um and I would say they probably play a better game than St. Cloud does defensively, but St. Cloud has they're better offensively. But I mean, they beat Quinnipiac three to two, heavily outshot by Quinnipiac during that game, and heavily outchanced. Um, and Quinnipiac's just going to be a—they're a tough team for St. Cloud to match up with, just because of that style is a little bit different. And they—but I think they are beatable. And and we have been raving about their goaltender, uh, having you know just a, a crazy good year, but. Showed some cracks in the ECAC playoffs. Didn't get a shutout in any of the uh, games, including against St. Lawrence last weekend. We gave up three goals against the bad St. Lawrence team. Uh, and then giving up three goals here against uh, Harvard. One goal against uh, Colgate in the uh, semifinal round. Uh, but he showed a little bit of humanity, I guess, uh, that he can be beaten. And even the first two Harvard goals last night were point uh, defensemen scored those goals. Um, and so it's somewhat of, somewhat of a broken play on those. But I think that he's he, he can be beaten. Um, it's just Quinnipiac outplayed Harvard, and Harvard still beat him. And it's, I don't, can, can St. Cloud win a game that they're so, that they're heavily outplayed? I, I'm not sure. Um, so my my initial reaction is, it's going to be a, it's a tough draw. Here's my hot take for the week. I think I'd rather, if I'm St. Cloud, I'd rather play Michigan than Quinnipiac. That's my hot take for the week. But I don't, I would that's, probably that's put a, money. That's a scorcher. That's a scorcher. If that's it's a take, scorcher. Yeah. I just like the fact that Michigan plays, the, likes to play the same way that St. Cloud does. Michigan's a better team than St. Cloud, but they like to play a, a high, high scoring game. And that's not out of the comfort zone of St. Cloud. That's just where I would, that's why I would say that. But if I had to bet on it, I'd probably bet on Quinnipiac winning this game. But as I said last weekend, I wouldn't be shocked if St. Cloud was able to, was able to, to pull off, you know, 
wouldn't even even be that big of an upset just based on the on the seedings. So it's uh play it's NCAA hockey. Uh it is a bit of a a, a crapshoot and and so I wouldn't be surprised if they you know, not only gave them a good game, but were able to win. I mean, I'm looking at their stat sheet here. Their top scorer is a defenseman for Quinnipiac. So they're not a team that scores a bunch. I mean, they have had some high-scoring games this year, but against some pretty weak competition in the ACAC. So they are a de- defense-first team, and they're opportunistic. One one thing I was impressed with, uh, they're well-coached, too. I, I think Pecknold knows what he's doing. Uh, and he's done, uh, I think, a great job. I remember when they first made that run, was it 2013, when they played St. Cloud in the uh, Frozen Four? I was kind of thinking, I mean, this is one of those, like, like Yale. You know, Yale won the, thing that, won, won the whole thing that year, and they've had a, uh, an appearance or two in the, in the tournament since then, but they've union the same thing. They kind of rise up, have a, couple of, a small window, and then they kind of recede back into irrelevance. Can't say the same thing about Quinnipiac. They basically, yeah. from that season, ten years now, they have been. There's been years that they haven't made the tournament, but they have been. They've peaked a couple of years, thirteen, and then 2016. They were also the I think the number one overall seed uh, as well, and they seem to be a near perennial team in the in the tournament at this point. I'd say clearly the class of the ECAC over the last few years. So. I have to give him the respect of not just having a, a good season or two, but he's been able to sustain it for, like I said, a decade now. Um, and one thing I was impressed with, so they were down two to one with six minutes, about six minutes and 20 seconds to go in the third period on Saturday against Harvard in the championship game. And Harvard took a penalty and uh, Pecknell decides to pull the goalie uh, Six and a half, almost six and a half minutes to go. Love it. Pull the pulls the goalie, and they win the draw, and it's a shot from the point goal. Immediately, it took like five seconds for them to score the goal. I thought it was a smart move. I and I've said here that I'm I'm generally a little bit more conservative when it comes to pulling goalies. It's it's I don't like the looking at the time so much as the situation. Correct. And this was a situation where you're gonna. Uh, uh, Offensive zone faceoff on the power play. You're getting, you're putting two. You're got a two man advantage. Uh, don't worry about the time there. You, it's not like you're pulling him for the remainder of the game. If they didn't score on that power in that power play chance, you know they could have put a, put the goalie back in and then pulled him later uh, down the line. It, it, I thought it was a smart move, a smart aggressive move, and he made it made him look like a genius because it worked right away. So he's able to to make those kind of smart coaching decisions in the game as well. So it's not going to be a, it's not going to be an easy game for St. Cloud. Um, but we know we know that St. Cloud can be very good as well. Yep. Uh, and so I I'm just hoping that they can they can compete and and give me a a, a good game. Now, granted, I have not gone, you know, watched a lot of Quinnipiac, obviously. But just looking here at the stats, um, you know, of, of their team, 91% on the penalty kill, 14% on the power play. So that's something where Duluth also was very, you know, 
pedestrian on yeah. the power play, and we made them. Our penalty kill made their power play look like they were the '97 Red Wings, <laughs> you know, and right. we we just couldn't get anything working. So, you know, for St. Cloud, we're, we got to win the special teams battle more so than we need to score. We just need to make sure that you know if we get called for penalties. We can't allow a 14% power play conversion rate beat us. Um, and then also, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, this team, they get out to a lead. And, you know, judging this, you know, they're only 1-6-2 and two when trailing after two periods. So, you know, they're a perfect 26-0 and 0 when leading after two. They're 21-0 and 0 when leading after one. So it's very important to get out to a lead against them. But again, we can't let a team that you know doesn't come back after two where we have been prone to coughing up leads <laughs> as of late. So I think that's just kind of the key when it comes down when I'm kind of just looking at everything is, you know, when it comes to that situation, it, we have to obviously just kind of convert when we got these chances and, you know, if they are, they just don't seem like the type of team where it's, you know, that, that, that they'll, they'll be able to score a bunch to get back into it. But St. Cloud has been very good at letting other teams come back. So that's, I think just kind of doing a brief look at the team stats. That's kind of what I see as the biggest key of the week for the Huskies. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. First goal is going to be so so huge in this game is yeah that this this bon giovanni is uh their top scorer among the forwards tied for the point lead but he he scored one of the goals in the in the harvard game and he looked pretty good bon giovanni it sounds like a frozen pizza brand or something like that. i was that. gonna say are you a big yeah, fan of diovanni's uh, i wasn't uh i was never a big uh, fan of diovanni's pizza uh yeah i don't think i've had i've had it I haven't had it much. Um, it's not my favorite frozen pizza brand, that's for sure. And they got, but, I, th- uh, I think Giovanni's is the one with the sauce on top, so the cheese is underneath. Uh, and that just. What that's not, I have not had that then. I don't know what I'm thinking of. Is Devani's? DiGiorno's. Is something? Eh. DiGiorno, that's what There I'm you go. That's. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have not had the one with the... That's like a specific style of pizza that... I, don't, I can't remember what it's called, but where it has the sauce on top. And I... Yeah, not not exactly a fan of it, but... But it is pizza, so... <laughs> so it's got that. I just get I just get the Costco frozen pizza now, and it's amazing. The Motor City pizza. That's... Highly recommend. But, yeah, I, as far as... I mean, I'm just looking at the stat sheet, and uh, they don't have a player. Quinnipiac doesn't have a player that's that's a negative on the year. This Zach Metza, who's their top scorer, is the defenseman. He's a plus 38 on the season. Ridiculous. Um, do shout out to uh, Marcus Chorney, is a defenseman for them from Hastings, Minnesota, as, as I am. My dad and I asked him tonight. He, he did coach him briefly. Um, he do you remember Taylor? Chorney? I was going to say, is that Taylor's brother? At, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Taylor played at uh, North Dakota. North Dakota. Um, I mean, he was two or he was 
at the year he was a year or two younger than I was. His locker was right by mine for one year. He ended up he played at Shattuck, so he transferred. I think after his sophomore year in high school, so he didn't graduate from Hastings, but but the Chorings are from there, um, and so uh, and he was he's not their top. He's not a top four defenseman for them, but he's been played all forty games this year, and I did obviously notice the name. Uh, uh, during the broadcast last night. So, yeah, he, you know, Pecknold, uh, he has, too. Uh, I mean, he's he's recruited from from Minnesota before, so he doesn't limit himself to, or the ECAC is kind of the northeastern uh, region where most of the players come from, or Canada. But he's he's had some, some Minnesotans on the team in the past. So just, uh, uh, that. just a quick point. I just want to go back while I'm thinking of it now. Um, I just pulled up St. Cloud State's you know, when trailing after one and two, um, Oh, three and two when trailing after one and Oh, 10 and two when trailing after two. So this, uh, squad has not been known to come back. Yeah. So, but hoping that, you know, hoping they made the most of this off week. Let's hope that, uh, that Renak is back to full health. Uh, maybe he can channel his success from a year ago in the regional. That'd be great. Yeah, it's it's like I said, it, there's really no result is going to surprise me. Uh, if it's going to be a route either way, if it's going to be close either way, I, there's not a there's not one definite result that I'm that I'm thinking here. Uh, but it's just uh, just the way that the Huskies kind of went into the tournament on a low note. Uh, you can, I guess you could say the same thing about Quinnipiac and dropping their their title game here in the ECAC. They're not they're not going in on a winning streak either. So something's got to give, uh, and I I do hope that that things work out well for St. Cloud. I'm I'm hopeful for it. And we have the, uh, the Friday night game. Is that right? Correct. Friday at eight. Oh, eight Eastern, seven o'clock Central. Now I just want to double check. Yeah. No, you're right. And just check that. one thing that I find really interesting also, another reason not to go to these regionals is these start times where they have six hours in between these games. So, you know, here in Allentown, uh, American International and Michigan, they play at two and then our game is at seven, you know? So it's, that's, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I like that as much as like the sessions where it's just back to back games. I don't. I imagine they cleared the arena and you just have to bum around Allentown for a couple hours, I guess. And maybe they're padding it in there for overtime's sake. You never know when a five overtime game is going to. I'm surprised that um, Michigan didn't take the late game. I don't know if they had the decision there, but since we have our magically great uh, day off in between regionals, uh, you'd think that they would, that the, the upper seed would want to play on the standard and you know, keep their same schedule as Motsko would like to say. Mm-hmm. I could see them playing the early game if it's the if they're playing the back to backs, because then the late game would be on shorter rest. But with the day off, you'd think that wanna stay on the schedule oh. because the uh championship game is at what? Yeah, that's at six thirty Eastern. Six thirty so. Eastern. Five thirty. Um but yeah, I mean that's a good point, especially because you're at an unfamiliar arena, or you know you you don't know what the ice conditions or whatnot. You know, having a game beforehand, you can kind of be prepared if it's something you know 
we should know from we should know from experience that, that playing the first game in a regional against AIC uh trap that's, game. that's a trap game there. Yeah, it's um you know, if St. Cloud State does come out of this uh regional, it's 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 a redemption tour. That's uh it for is. all of our fans. You know, we're 0-1 against Quinnipiac, 0-1 against American International, and 0-2 against Michigan. Yep. So. so we're either extending losing streaks or we are getting revenge. Get, sweet, sweet revenge. Just, I, 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 I love it. Let's get. Uh, I'm, I'm all for the revenge storyline. So, so switching gears to the whole uh, NCAA tournament. You know, you had your uh, predictions podcast. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you going right out right away saying, you know, hold me accountable. I'm going to, I'm going to get my, my, mine out there in front. And sure enough, you did. And, uh, you did a pretty good job. I think so. It looks like I, I nailed it. And, uh, so if you want to hear some of my greatness, <laughs> um, listen back to that podcast. Cause all of it is still 100% relevant. You can use that as like another bonus uh, podcast of a preview because yeah. those are the exact matchups. Yeah, I, I, uh, I didn't think that it was that... I didn't think that it was that difficult, as I mentioned in the podcast. I didn't think it was... There was a ton to move around. You, you really had just the one St. Cloud, uh, North Dakota matchup that you had to work around. And there was a couple of options That's there. It. That, but, that was an easy one. I said, I mean... It wasn't universally uh, seen that way because Austro predicted that the Gophers and St. Cloud would play. and Oh, they wanted the storyline. Uh, so some, yeah. And I would have wanted that too, as I mentioned yeah. in, the, in the podcast. I would have preferred that from a matchup standpoint, Cloud, but also you'd have had some good ink spilled this right. week with the whole Motsko thing and the rivalry at large. If there was, I bet if there was a St. Paul regional or something like that, something closer to home, they could have, they may have made that move or may there, they would have been more likely to have made a move like that. But if that were to be the case, you'd have St. Cloud and, and the Gophers play in Wooster <laughs> or something like that. It doesn't have the same kind of cash. Yeah, exactly. So maybe the fact that there was in Minnesota there, state's bracket, the three, the three <laughs> Eastern, right. Right. So yeah. So maybe the the fact that there was like three Eastern regionals kind of prevented that situation uh, this year. But so what? Yeah, I made the case out there for the St. Cloud Quinnipiac matchup making the most sense, and you can listen to that if you haven't already. For, for so what are that. the odds that the committee just listened to your podcast and was like, "Yep, that's it. Good. Our job's done." I mean, clearly that's what they <laughs> clearly that's what they did. So I yeah I I am a member of the committee. You oh, didn't know uh, that. Um, looking at um, you know, if there's any other uh, any of these matchups kind of strike your fancy as you know ones that might be interested, some that might be on upset watch, or um, just kind of looking around at them. Any anything kind of sticks out or? I honestly, I'm not joking. None zero upsets would shock me not even aic michigan even though i think that would be a bigger upset that would be a bigger upset than aic st cloud back at, i back don't think so not from a paralyzed yeah. perspective because i think aic is like 18th 
but I think I think Michigan is better than what St. Cloud was that year. Uh, I and I just, but I would not be. I would not. They be have more cachet. I don't any. know if they were better. That St. Cloud team was stacked. We were four lines. Did they have? I mean, did they have five? That's that's the cachet. Yeah. No, we didn't. We didn't no, have cachet that. here. Means means no, something. It doesn't. It's not like they. No, it's not from a like just a s- total skill level. I think it's just the buzz of having these prospects that are still young and raw. Where we were, we were a yeah, veteran no, I would, team. Right. I would oh. not take Michigan to win this tournament. Correct. They're they're too young. Teams like uh, teams like Michigan don't generally win the national tournament. Um, it's the older, more experienced teams shine in, in, in the NCAA. So I would not pick Michigan. They might come out of that bracket. might come out of Allentown, but I would not pick them to win. I mean, they're not beating Duluth. <laughs> if they play Duluth or not, Duluth winning the whole thing. So that means Michigan ain't winning it, but I would pick, I would pick Harvard over Mankato. I think I like that. We we've, I think we mentioned in in a previous podcast, they have had a, a four seed has won a game every year since 2006. Ever since Holy Cross, so right? On, ever since Holy Cross. Um, and every year since then, at least one four seed has won. I, I'm circling Mankato and Harvard, and I'm circling Western Michigan and Northeastern. I was, I was thinking about the Western likeliest. Michigan Northeastern one. I mean, Northeastern's got... Devin Levi, who's a, I mean, he's going to be, uh, I think he is a Richter finalist, or he, he will be, uh, probably between him and McKay for, for the Richter. Now, Peters. watching Northeastern. Peters for Quinn. Parrots. For Quinnipiac. Parrots. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's going to be up there as well. Um, but watching Northeastern, which, I mean, Levi's which, good. Which I will just say this as a side because I don't want to turn this into a thing yet, but if. One of those three goalies don't win a Hobie Baker. We should just admit that they're they don't win the Hobie Baker and no longer actually award them as a finalist. Like not even have them in contention because they're putting up better than Ryan Miller numbers. And if 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 a goalie doesn't win this year, they're never gonna win. And and. Whether or not that's guess, yes, yeah. no, maybe you're okay with that, maybe you're not, because they have their own award. But I, I think it's just time to admit that. Which is kind of why they they correct made they they came up with a Richter mm-hmm. award, is because they weren't they weren't winning Hobies. Yeah, as, I guess I haven't thought of the Hobie race very much, but this would be a year where there is no obvious forward or defense candidate. I mean, there's candidates. But there's not a slam dunk, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Caulfield or Kyle uh, Connor. Or, uh, actually, he he didn't win. It was VC that won yeah. that year. But there's not Eichel. there's not like a an obvious choice. Eichel, Good yeah, thank you. There's not an obvious uh, choice for that. So I mean, Bobby mm. Brink is I think the top scorer in the country, and he's not even like the third best player on his own team. He'd be like that'd be like if when Morneau won the MVP for the Twins, when he was the third best player on the Twins. Yeah. Uh, that If they give Brink the uh, Hobie, I don't think they will. Well, it's, well, it's yeah, like Ryan um, Duncan winning the Hobie when his line mates were yeah. Oshie and Taves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's, that's a good comparison. So. Um, 
Yeah, see, I, w- I would assume that McKay's going to win the Richter because more, more so like a career-long thing. Like, Levi's a freshman. Parrots, I think, is a freshman as well. These guys will be around again. They'll have their other chance as far as McKay's never won it yet. And just from the bulk last of his year. work over four years, I, I think I agree with you. Um, I think that he'll get it, even though I, I would say Levi was more important to his team than McKay was. Because watching, watching some of Northeastern, and Levi didn't play great against UConn in the Hockey East uh, finals or uh, semifinals, but Northeastern can't score worth a lick. They got this McDonough, who's their only guy that can score. But beyond that, they don't have much of an offense at all. And so the only, I think the only reason that Northeastern is in the tournament is because they were able to steal some one nothing, 2-1 to games across the year, and Levi just put the team on his back. They had a game late in the regular season against UConn that Levi made 60 saves in a regular season game uh, against UConn. It was not like, UConn's not like a juggernaut either. So... But so I'm saying Northeastern's not great and Western Michigan on paper is the better team. But come playoff time, hot goalie um can steal you games that you don't have any business winning. Uh and so I'm circling those two. I don't I mean again, same thing with Mankato and Harvard. I think Mankato's clearly the better team, but I think Harvard can steal a game too, as they just did against Quinnipiac. Uh and so yeah, none of these matchups, I mean UMass Lowell has a really good goalie too. I mean, I could definitely see them giving Denver fits, and, and I, any of the two-three matchups. I mean, I always probably expect UMass to beat the Gophers. I, I the one that would shock me the most would be Michigan Tech beating Duluth, but that's just because of what I've been saying about Duluth. Uh, Tech's a Tech's a good team too. So, so yeah, I I don't have nothing would shock me this yeah. year. Uh, is there any? Any games in particular that you're circling as far as intriguing matchups for you? Yeah, I mean, definitely the Western Michigan Northeastern. Um, I've got uh, good friends um, uh, for uh, Duluth and Michigan Tech. Uh, uh, they, yeah, that's a, that they. It's a good matchup. Yeah, I got, I mean, um, oh, uh, you know, big Duluth fan and a big uh, Michigan Tech fan. Uh, they're married now, so this is a divided household for them. And they actually met, you know, like on hockey trips and whatnot because it, she traveled all over the place. So with uh with Michigan Tech, so it's so that's a that's a big. So I'm gonna keep my eye on that one, but you know, I'm I'm with you. Duluth doesn't lose, especially in the first round. Um, they've got just an asinine record when it comes to early tournament games. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see which number one seed is going to end up going down. And um, I'm kind of interested. I th- I think that Denver Lowell might be one as well. I can see Lowell kind of sneaking up, yeah. um, beating Denver, uh, and then uh, Duluth-Lowell ma- matchup there. So you got uh, Duluth the winning it all. And, you know, I it's tough for me. I want to be different. So, um, yeah, there's so many of these teams though, that I just hate that. I don't want to say that they're going to win it all. It's going to be some go with the yellow, yellow jacket. (laughs) Go AIC. Going AIC. (laughs) So 
They looked great against uh, Air Force. Yeah, right, exactly. Just seven donut. Let's go. Well, maybe it's a weird year that Harvard ends up winning it. Or or, or Notre Dame. I'll pick. uh, I don't want to pick Notre Dame. Gross. I hate that. See, that's what you know. I'll I'll go with I'll go with I'll go with Lowell. There we go. We're going. We're both Loveland. <laughs> Lowell's gonna make a run. I think. Um, I mean, I. My dad wants me to to do a bracket. I I know too much about it. It's too. It's too close for me to to do a bracket. I I don't. But I'm like sure, fine, whatever. And what I would do, what I did with like the NCAA basketball tournament. I haven't followed basketball, college basketball for squat this year, but I did two brackets. One where I'm like trying to give my best logical, this I think is what's going to happen. And then one, I, what I did is I picked the one seeds and the two seeds for the first round and everything else. I flipped coins for all the, the sorry, Kentucky. (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess that, that would have been the one. The one downside there, but checking, I didn't check it today, but at least last night when I checked it, uh, the, the flipping a coin bracket was ahead of, of my logical, I'm going to think about it bracket. Yeah. And the thing there is, is sometimes it's the, not it's if you know too much. So my only, like I saw that Michigan was in the, the basketball tournament and they were like an 11 seed against Colorado or something. But I'm like, Michigan lost to the Gophers this year, and the Gophers are absolute garbage. So I'm like, that means Michigan's not good. So I'm like, yeah, Mich- Michigan's not going to win. And I think Michigan's in the Sweet 16 uh, in basketball. Yeah. So it's like the one, the one thing, the one time that I actually applied logic uh, and, and knowledge about a team, it screwed me. So in the same sense here, I might just flip coins for, for all of it because my heart will play too much into it. I'll just I'll fill in Duluth until the very end. But then everything, everything else, else you're gonna flip coins. That's not a bad. Um you know, uh Whiskey Dave uh on Twitter, he's got his uh bracket that's live right now. So um if you do end up winning on the the bracket you get a flask from him. So it's free to oh, enter. So oh. I encourage everyone, all of our listeners, uh reach out to Whiskey Dave um or myself. I'll put you in the right direction. Uh, to to join in on that bracket and um, oh. in that bracket, I think I can't remember who. I think I have North Dakota winning it all, and that's be and Ooh. that's be. Did you do you flip coins? No, it's because my take on this bracket is that it is my worst possible scenario. Like if everything all goes to hell and I hate college hockey, this is what this bracket would look like. That would drive me to that so at least i would win something if that does happen that that's kind, kind of, of my, what i'm going for with Duluth that's kind of my logic as well is like duluth that's kind of my logic there as well is it's like either i'm right and they win it all or i jinxed them uh, or it's like i'm hedging my bets in some oh there you way. go so i i get that yeah and they they might have a decent draw there in albany and and harvard Said. Oh, I don't know if we wanted to circle or tie the knot on the bit that we did in January Ooh. where we picked the field. We, uh, we, um, oh man, I don't want you to hold me accountable for how bad I am. Um, how about this? 
Oh, how about oh. this? I'll. I want to. I want to go back to one quick thing. Um, and sure. and then yeah, I want. I want to tie a knot on that, or sure. a bow on that, or put a ring on it. I don't know. It's good news. I'll spoiler. Okay, it's good, good news. We did very. We did nice. very well. Um. So the Duluth and Saint Cloud, as the second half of the season was going full steam. Both teams were having their struggles, and we ended up sneaking out the home ice. Duluth, again, really close to the Wisconsin rolling out. St. Cloud could have eliminated them. They're able to rattle off four wins. The same thing, can the same thing happen with St. Cloud State? Do you see, Do you, can you see this team getting it together for four straight and winning the title? I'm going to depress people. No, I, I just don't see the, I don't see the defense and the, I don't see the consistency. Yeah. To the same, that, the same level. That's what, you know, I guess day at a time and whatnot, but yeah, the, the consistency is what, what is what worries me. And granted, again, we, we didn't have Rennick for, for the playoffs. True. So, I mean, yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's that the consistency and it's the we're you know, we're leading and we're in good position and we ended up running it down our leg. You know, it's our leaders have not stepped up this year and <laughs> this is the time to do it, obviously. So, hope hopefully they can um but you know, Frozen Four Birth would be I think my optimistic view after that, I think everything's going to be kind of gravy, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a Weather. good feeling about this tournament kind of going into it. Then again, I really didn't I in either. 2013 either. So who knows? That's true. And yeah, getting back to my hot take, I don't even care if they lose win or lose. I would love to see a game with St. Cloud, Michigan. <laughs> I would love to see that game. Yeah. Um, but you got to get past Quinnipiac first. That's that's the tricky part mm-hmm. there. And Michigan's got to get past AIC, as, as we, we know. know. We've been there easy. before. So. All right. So uh, what was that? That was about mid. That was that was about mid season um, when the pairwise kind of started taking shape. Maybe it was, February. I, I think it was our. No, I, I think it was our first podcast of twenty twenty two. No kidding. Okay. So still pretty early. I think it. All was. right. All right. It was it was right after the Bemidji series, so yeah, it would have been, yeah, that first uh, Monday of sure January, enough. and it was as that I think it was exactly the midway point. Gotcha. I think St. Cloud had played half their schedule a little bit. So more. so this, but it was right right at that halfway. This point. will be the reason why you listen to us, or a reason why you can always block out <laughs> whatever we say <laughs> is what it comes down well, to. I think we did a good job. Uh, I'm going to give you the slight edge. Nice. So we both we both got 14 of the 16 teams correct. Okay. Um, and I think your misses were better than my misses, and that's why I'm going to give you the, the edge. um. I think also really for looking at all the scenarios too, coming into this this last weekend, there wasn't a lot of pairwise shuffling that could be done. And maybe that's because, you know, third place games are eliminated around the country or whatnot. But 
pretty much nobody could really move up or down in the pairwise in the last day. It was just auto bids would knock people off. And that was pretty much the only drama. Right. And we both nailed the fact that we thought Harvard was going to get in as the tournament champion. Because we both kind of saw at that time, ECAC sucks this year. Quinnipiac's going to be the only team that's going to qualify from a pairwise perspective. But we're thinking Quinnipiac might not win that tournament. And so we both picked Harvard to win that tournament. And we nailed that. There we go. Nice. So the only, uh, we both whiffed on Atlantic, but we were both kind of picking out of a hat there. And I guess in retrospect, I think AIC, I think we mentioned on the podcast that AIC was the highest in pairwise at that time. We should have just did the easy thing and take the highest team in pairwise. But I think your, you picked Canisius. I picked Bentley. <laughs> um, I was like raving about Bentley's goalie. Bentley sucked in the second <laughs> half of the year. Um, and Canisius was the second second place team in Atlantic, so I'm going to give you the edge there is that you were a little closer on that prediction. The, the thing about and Atlantic then, hockey is that, yeah, usually the favorite does come out of it. There's not usually in the conference tournament, there's not usually that many upsets. Well, I think there was one year where Robert Morris was really good and they got tripped there, up. I look back on this I because uh, Air Force won their that semifinal game to, to put them into the final. And at that time, before that game, they were 45th in pairwise. They moved up a little bit after that win over RIT. I don't know where they finished. It would have been right around 45 is where they finished. And if they would have beaten AIC with it, they would have been 41st in pairwise. And I was wondering if that's the lowest pairwise team to have ever made the tournament. Not the case. So I was going back year through year. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Robert Morris made it as a 44 overall seed the year that they played the Gophers. I was actually at that game, at that regional. Um, there's been a couple of 44s. Um, Robert Morris, I'm forgetting on another one, but the lowest, actually, uh, of all time was, do you, do you care to guess? This was in 2007. 2007, can you, it was, can you give me an East or West? No, okay. I can't. Okay. I. Um. I'm gonna go with. They're on an. They're on, in an island, not literally, but they're really they're kind of they're neither east or west. Okay, gotcha. Um. The conference. This is from the old. This is not Atlantic hockey. This was from the old CHA. CHA. Okay. Like I can't imagine Huntsville made it. Oh seven. That that is that is the correct. No answer. kidding, it was Huntsville. Huntsville made it twice as uh, as the tournament champion of CHA. Both years they were under five hundred. In two thousand seven, it was a five team league. They must have since changed the rule now because I know that you have to have six teams in a conference in order to get the automatic qualifying bid. But at that time, that rule must not have been in place. Huntsville was the last place team in CHA that year and then won the tournament to go into uh to go in to to make it to the NCAAs. And so they were at 49th in pairwise wow. uh when they when they made that run and so they played Notre Dame in the tournament 
and they uh, Huntsville took them to two overtimes. <laughs> what a, the only other what time? The, why do we Huntsville... follow this sport? Why do we do this to ourselves? I know. I know. And then the only other time they made it, I think it was in 2010, Huntsville, they were also under 500, not as low as 49, but I think they were somewhere in the high 40s. Uh, And it was a two-to-one game against Miami (laughs) in the the tournament. And Miami was the number one overall seed that year. In that that 2007 year, I don't know what what the committee was thinking, but Notre Dame was the number two overall seed that year, but they got the lowest seed in Huntsville. The Gophers were the number one overall seed that year, but they got Air Force, and Air Force, I think, took them to overtime that year as well. Again, that was in that era where these lower seeds were starting to compete, yeah, that's... pull off upsets. That would have been the year right Yeah, That would have been the year after Holy Cross. So another sort of heart skipper, Don, <laughs> there. But anyway, getting back to our bit, so we both whiffed on Atlantic. Um you were the only one of us, uh, of us two, to get Michigan Tech, correct? I did not have, I only had Mankato being the only team in, in CCHA to make it. So, so you get a, a check mark there. The only one that I got that you missed um, was Notre Dame. I had Notre Dame as my third Big Ten team, other than Minnesota and mm-hmm. Michigan. You had Ohio State. And Ohio State being the last team out, ah, yeah. I think you you get kind of horseshoe points there. You're close. Um, and so, oh, and then I had, yeah. So you missed you missed Atlantic and you missed uh, Ohio State, or no, you missed uh, Notre Dame. I should say. You had everything else right. You had Mankato and Tech out of CCHA. You had the we each had the five NCHC teams correctly. Um, ECAC, as we mentioned, you nailed Hockey East uh, with the three teams that they got in, UMass, Lowell, and then Northeastern. I had, so I nailed the Big Ten because I had the three teams that they got incorrectly. Missed on the CCHA, missed out on Tech there. And then I had four teams from Hockey East, three that we mentioned that did get in, and then BC. <laughs> uh, and similar to Bentley, I think I must have put a hex on these teams because... <laughs> Boston College, I think, had a 12-game unbeaten streak at, from the time of that podcast. Yep. Uh, they didn't win a game for, for a long time. They picked it up a little bit at the end and, and made it interesting in the uh, towards the end of the season. Gave UMass some. Yeah, I was going to say they that the tournament they made some they made a little bit of noise, I believe, in the hockey East tournament. Well, they uh, they beat uh, New Hampshire in the first round, and then they lost to, uh, to Northeastern in the second round. But it was, they swept UMass in the last, season, last weekend of yeah. the regular okay. season, which cost U- UMass the, uh, that's right. the regular season title. Yep. That was really the spoiling that they did. But, again, I'd call that one a swing and a miss, a, a bad swing and a miss from my end. So your two misses being Atlantic, and you picked the second-place team in Atlantic, uh, and then oh. also OSU, which was the the last team out. I'm going to give you the edge, even though we both had the 14. We had both had 14 of the sure. 16. I think you were a oh. little closer on the misses, so I'm going to give you the uh, the. Hey, edge. I'll take the win. I, I appreciate it. It's, um, yeah, I remember the Michigan Tech. I I think we had kind of a spirited discussion about Michigan Tech. Yeah. Um, and then I yeah, because you and you said because I'm like I don't think that they can. 
and I kind of I, I laid out this is what they got to do in the playoffs, and I'm like, Mankato, they're going to host all the playoff games. I even said, you know, they're going to play St. Thomas in the first round. They're going to smoke them. So it's going to come down to the fact that can Michigan Tech win a game in Mankato to win the title? And I'm like, I don't see that happening. And you're like, I think that Michigan Tech's going to make it as an at-large. And right Ooh, you are. Sir. Nice. I re- and I remember he- hemming and hawing over um, over Omaha. And then I ended up nixing that one. And I think that's when I put that Hockey East one, which ended up being a correct call. I think I ended up picking Lowell at that time. So. Nice. Well, hey, yeah, that's why you listen to the podcast. Look at that. That's right. So, that's um, right. well, you know, d- uh, do we have any emails? Uh, no questions. Uh, can't, can't oh, I actually, thanks for reminding kinda, me. Kind of. No questions came in. Uh, I think just uh, with, you know, all of a sudden, you know, everybody would have questions about, um, you know, obviously the tournament and whatnot. So I think we kind of covered, you know everything along those lines but uh well we did get we did get our our favorite uh duluth fan email me back oh another question he didn't block you from your inside take (laughs) he did not hey said i'm he's glad to hear that i like getting email (laughs) so he's he's back on the horse is it bad that our our biggest fan on a st cloud state hockey podcast is a duluth Duluth fan? fan And and I every week I just bash how much I hate Duluth. Uh we love you. Uh, man. uh so you picked uh, them to win the title. A, so you can't hate them that much, right? I he yes. I it is a spite pick, but it is a pick nonetheless. So we'll, we'll take it. That's my that's my gift for the week. Uh, I feel like I'm really you know, I but, did so well picking the field in that mid season. Now I feel like I'm really chickening out by not actually picking someone in this tournament. Maybe I should just quit while I'm ahead. But yeah. Anyway, so Dan, Dan's but he's got, he's got a he, yes, he's got a a very on-topic hockey uh, question here. Oh, oh does he? Uh, and it's a, yep. His question is: Have you seen any or all of the Oscar nominees for Best Picture this year? <laughs> all right. If so, what is your what is your so, favorite? I the good, have bad, not seen the ugly. A single one. <laughs> there you go. It's full of dollars. He's talking about he's talking about this current oh, okay. year's slate. I have not seen any of the nominees, which is rare for me. I usually see at least a couple. I don't even know what's nominated. But I, uh, he throws out there that his favorite is Coda, even though he doesn't think it'll win. But he's he's like okay. So me and my friends try to see all the movies in all categories before the ceremony. Outside of one documentary feature and one documentary short, I should be able to get there. Now, that is nuts. That is commitment to the bit, yeah. sir. Um, but there was a couple. There was a year. Uh, it was the year that Parasite won. I did end up seeing all of the Best Picture nominees that year, and I only liked like three of them. Did you like Parasite? So I didn't. Um, I did. That was my favorite of of the batch that year. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, I I generally am sticking to the to the older stuff nowadays. So I have not seen any of the ones this year. I did tell him I just may I I do sort of just follow it. It looks like Power of the Dog, probably the favorite. Belfast also seems pretty Oscar baity. Although this Coda I think is gaining some steam here late, and that might pull off an upset. 
Um, so I have not seen any of them. I hope to see the, the one that I would want to see out of all of them. The one I have the most interest in seeing is Licorice Pizza, because I do like the director. Um, but And it's a terrible title for a movie, but still, I, I've heard good things about it. Uh, that's really the only one that I am all that interested in seeing. Um, have you, so you have not seen any of these, uh, or do you have any, I, I just looked, I've uh, seen on your radar. I've seen one. I wanted to you see, Dune? I did not see Dune. I, um, I've, I've the one that you'd have I seen. I feel like it's one that I like, I'd want to read the book. Um, I've heard the book, the book is like, uh, whole other world like it's crazy i i don't i've never yeah. like, read the book or seen the movies or but it seems outside my like capabilities even and it's either like people either hate it or it's the best book ever and and same with i guess this movie was pretty well received but i just i don't have teams too too much for me i don't know um and i have not seen but I want to see uh, West Side Story. Um, I'm a, I'm a musical fan, and um, you know, just kind of interested with you know, obviously with Steven Spielberg involved, you know, just kind of see how different and you know what he was able to do with it. Um, but yeah, did you want to take a guess on the one movie I that I saw? Look. I would have to look at the actual list now. So um, it's uh, Belfast, Coda. Don't look up. Drive my car. Dune. King Richard. Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley. Power of the Dog. West Side Story. So obviously not Dune. Not West Side Story. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say you saw King Richard. Did not see King Richard. I saw Don't Look Up. And okay. Uh, that would have been my second yeah, choice. That's and just because you know I haven't been to. I mean I you know I saw the Marvel movies obviously. And um, no time to die when that finally came out. Oh yeah, but um, that got snubbed. No time to die. I yeah. I I don't know. Like when you say snubbed, like in what sense? I mean, Bond Bond films. Those kind of movies generally don't play at the Oscars, other than like the technical categories. Yeah, but I did. I was hearing some some buzz that they might give it a give it some more love this year. Um, and you'd think that if you're going to go to 10 nominees, that the reason to do that would be to get some more crowd-pleasing films in there. Like this Drive My Car is a three-hour three hour movie in Japanese about uh, a guy putting on a production of Uncle Vanya. I mean, my eyes glaze over just thinking <laughs> about that premise. And I'm sure it's great. Dan Jacobson has apparently seen it. Let me know what she thought about that. <laughs> Um, but, uh, that's a movie that, yeah, critics love and I industry insiders love, but it's not something that people in Kansas are necessarily interested in seeing. Um, so you'd think that they would want to throw one of these, you know, Marvel movies or like a, a blockbuster type in into the well, mix. Just and, the, and the Academy ratings. tried to kind of do that by have, they tried to like get a new, like best popular movie or like. Yeah, they tried yeah. to shoehorn right. it that way, and it's like, no, that's not what that's not what we want. We want you just to recognize that a movie can be a blockbuster, you know, and still be good. Um, 
But yeah, No Time to Die. I actually thought that was probably Daniel Craig's best acted uh, Bond film. And it was a little bit all over the place. You know, and I can talk about, you know, kind of everything with the, the Bond films and whatnot. But I do think, again, the what the Bond films really get, I think, incredibly well are obviously, like you said, the technical, the visual effects, and the cinematography. Didn't get nominated for cinematography, which I was kind of surprised by, but obviously it is for best visual effects. They play, but I was, they but, pre- I would say maybe the most Oscars that Bond films have had is best song. There's been a number yeah. of great songs. Did the one this? I don't know even who who sang the song. Billie Eilish. Oh, that's right. I did. I I have heard the yeah. song. It's but was that was that nominated yes. at all? It yeah. was okay. Um. Which kind of surprised me that, uh, you know, the big musical, you know, Tick, Tick, Boom was, you know, the Netflix, you know, that didn't get nominated for any best original song. But, you know, obviously you're going up against Encanto with Lin-Manuel Miranda. And so that's going to be kind of an interesting one. Be Alive is by Beyonce. So, I mean, I think Beyonce and Lin-Manuel, I don't know, is... I mean, is he an Oscar short of an EGOT? I don't know. I can't admit. Uh, he had to have won for Moana. I think you're you know, right. I think Teresa actually just shouted well, from the he, other room. He had a hand. Saying that he did not. So He had a hand in West Side Story as well. Um, I don't know if he was nominated. Well, I, I, maybe those aren't. Are, are those original songs because it's a remake i don't yeah exactly don't yeah it would be original of. song so those would not be like the the west side story songs from the original musical those would not be correct but usually eligible. what they'll do in those instances is they'll make a a separate song and shoehorn right. in there like they did with um uh les miserables when when they had that they added some weird hugh jackman song kind of in the middle right there. Okay. Okay. So my wife yeah. just uh, came in and, and told me that, yes, Lin-Manuel Miranda the judge came in. is an Oscar short of an EGOT. So. Oh, that's the only one he hasn't got. Exactly. So wow, I'm surprised. I thought that, like you said, I thought that he would have already gotten. For Moana. Gotten one of those. I haven't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't actually watched the Oscars in uh, quite a long time. Um, and because I haven't seen any of the nominees this year, I don't think I will be watching it this year either. But hopefully, there's a couple of these that I'll come around and eventually end up uh, end up watching. I'm 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 looking but, uh, back right now. Um, the last Oscar winner that I've seen, uh, Argo, 2013. That was the last Best Picture winner that I've seen. Yeah, I haven't seen a ton of them. I I did see that Nomad Land from last year, and then Parasite. Parasite. Then there was gr- but like Green, Green Book. Green Book. I did not watch Shape of Water. The Shape of Water. Did not see that Moonlight. Moonlight. I did watch that. Like that one. Spotlight. I think beyond that, I I I did. I've seen. I'm sure over half of them, but but there's there's a lot that I haven't seen. <laughs> I just like here looking at this list, 12 Years a Slave, 2014, and the first two build are Brad Pitt, Steve McQueen. 
God. Come on, white people. Anyway. Well, that's that's it. It's a that's not the the director Steve McQueen is a black man. The Hollywood legend who is in Bullet and uh, Papillon, Steve McQueen, that's a white guy, but he died like 40 years ago. There's two Steve McQueens. Oh, maybe and that's the one where that I got was it. behind okay. 12 years a slave is black. But I can see I can that that's that's not a uh that's a defensible slip to well, make just because Steve McQueen. I don't know. Now I feel I do feel bad, of, so I do apologize then to, to I never that's one I I did not see that one either. But he's a good director. I can't remember the other one that he did that I watched when his movie before that. Can't remember the title of it, but he's he's a talented director. Uh but yeah, a different human being than than the uh the sixties action star. I thought it was yeah, one of those things where he you know, he was like Clint Clint e- Eastwood. He like hangs around or whatnot. No, it turns out he's been dead for a long time. So I, I'm yeah. terrible on both sides then. Apologize to to Steve Oh my gosh, it's Sir Steve McQueen too? He's been knighted? Jeez. Yeah, I think he's like British. Yeah. British or, oh, I think he like w- I just took like his uh, that award season that he was scooping up all the awards for that. Maybe he's Scottish or something because I think he was like wearing a kilt at one point. Memorable guy. <laughs> you see a see a guy in a in, in a kilt. Uh, you don't soon forget that. I'm oh, yeah, yeah. I'm he's terrible. A interesting cat. I'm terrible. I apologize. So. Um. Well, that about does her. Uh, for so. for for this episode. Um, yeah, we yeah, no shortage of what to talk about, and um, you know, who knows? Um, you know, after you know, I'm gonna end this podcast, and Andrew, if you can just wait about you know, forty five minutes or so, just to make sure I don't have any reviews that have to come up that we have to do something over or whatnot. So. You never know when I'm going to CCHA just the whole podcast. So you're going to have to <laughs> cross my fingers. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, well, we'll see what happens in, in Billy Joel's hometown of Allentown. Probably not his hometown, but at least he's saying about it. So uh, hopefully uh, a good showing for the Huskies. And it's um, it's it, it's desperately needed that we're going to get uh, some good games. So hope that's the case. Um, anything else you want to add right at the end? Go Huskies. Uh, let's hope that they, let's hope that the, uh, the A-team shows up. Indeed. Insert the A-team theme. That might be copyright. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe I should pity the fool. Meld that in with, with Al. Right. (laughs) Just mash up. Let's create a mash up. So, all right. Until next time, go Huskies. Woo!